to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast, as well as the GBBpodcast.com. And we are here with an extra special episode. It's going to be like three episodes, I think we said, Jamie. Is that what we're talking about? That's what we're talking about. We're going to have three <laughs> extra surprise episodes. Yay! It's like a little. It's like a little because our third anniversary is coming up, right? Am I am I wrong on the date for that? It's March, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so this will be like an early birthday present from us to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're you are very welcome. So this is kind of it's kind of out of line with our regular episodes. So this isn't. I know it sounds like whatever to be like, oh, this isn't a numbered episode. But <laughs> sometimes Jamie gets to go to these really cool things like events and. When he comes back, we like to talk about them, and he gets to interview people. So that's what this is. And I remember when you were at this event, Jamie, you you were like, you know, I wasn't expecting much out of the out of the event, but it was really awesome. So I think we should talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. So I'm going to be honest. Like when it comes to comic books, I grew up on DC and the DC characters. I was a huge Batman reader. Um, I almost never read Marvel. Uh, that's sort of, I've done a 180 as I've become an adult. And I, I do credit the, the Marvel movies for a lot of that and sort of reinvigorating the characters and making it a little bit more interesting for me. And I've kind of fallen away from DC a little bit. Um, and so when this event came up, it looked really cool and it was in DC, um, which is where I live. So it was like, how could I not go? But I, you're right. I wasn't sort of holding out. Like I wasn't expecting to be blown away by it. Um, but it was really, really great. So the event was, it was called DC in DC. I was just about to say it better have been called DC in DC. <laughs> yeah, they didn't miss that one. <laughs> what it was in a nutshell, um, it was DC comics, like so publishing and DC TV, all the, you know, the, 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 the shows that they've got coming together, bringing together the writers for both sides of the books and the television shows and some of the creators and some of the actors um, and sort of targeting communities that don't necessarily get the exposure that they deserve. Um, so it was obviously it was a PR event. You know, they they premiered the new Batman Gotham by Gaslight animated film. They premiered the Black Lightning show uh, and they had a few panels, but it was not just like your standard panels that you might expect from something like San Diego or New York or a big comic con where it was just pushing the new books and here are the creators. And this is why you guys got to buy this. Cause it's awesome. There were five panels during the day and they each really targeted a different community that, um, DC is making an effort to shine a spotlight on. So during the day there were panels for, and featuring African-American um, creators and African-American representation, women. So it was, it was entirely made up of female creators and, and it was called Wonder Women, um, LGBT issues. And um, the last panel of the day was about um, trauma and PTSD and, and, and soldiers who come back and the stories that are being told and creators who have those stories as their personal life experiences. Um, and so because of that, because it was this, you know, they were f targeting these these um, specialized communities that it really was just amazing to see. Um, you know, a lot of conventions get 
crap for having like a women in issues panel and there's women in comics panel. Um, and there's like two women and five dudes on the panel, like, you know, or it's, or it's like, um, representing people of color in the comics industry. And there's no people of color on the panel, you know, like, so you hear about these stories a lot, but, um, so this event was not like that. You know, they had the African-American, which is, this is what we're bringing some of the, um, some of the interviews of today and this episode. Uh, so the panel was called the many shades of heroism, DC heroes through the African-American lens. Um, and I think it was 12, 13 panel members, um, and they talked about the new Black Lightning show coming on. Uh, they talked about the different books that they've got. They talked about the importance of representation, the upcoming books they've got that are that are highlighting and featuring African-American characters. Um, and it was just, for me, I think that was the highlight of the day for me. I wrote about that for Sci-Fi Wire. Um, it was just, it was the second panel of the day. It was just, it, it kicked things off really. And it it really kind of showed what this this event, this DC and DC event is going to be something different. For this panel particularly, how many different interviews did you get to get to do or how did you just tape the entire panel? No. So the panels were actually being live streamed. DC did a live stream and you can find it on the DC Comics YouTube page. Um, but to support each of the panels, they had a, a press room and they did some roundtables. Um, so if you've listened to any of our other episodes from, you know, like when I would go to San Diego or New York and we bring you the roundtable interviews, uh, that's what this was. So there was just a separate room and the people who were on the panels would come around and either one-on-one or two or three together, um, they'd sit down with each table and we would have a chance, you know, 15, awesome. 20 minutes to just talk to them. All right. So so what we're going to do is we're going to go through and Jamie's is going to introduce each different person and we're going to tell you what this is about or like you know who it is who it is so you know who you're listening to and then we'll play it and then we'll come back in so settle in on your car drive or your train ride whatever you're doing right now maybe you're cleaning your house i don't know (laughs) maybe um and we're gonna we're gonna take you there so jamie take us home who are we uh who's up first so up first um, we're going to be listening to John Ridley, who is an Oscar-winning screenwriter for 12, 12 Years a Slave. Um, and he is he is writing an upcoming, I, I, they're calling it like a prestige miniseries. Um, and uh, he's he's writing that miniseries for, for DC. Um, and so we got to talk to him about that and about bringing, you know, that cinema and filmmaking mentality to, to the graphic novel medium. All right. So we're going to go play that interview for you first and then come on back and we'll introduce the next person. Good morning. How is everybody? Y'all good? Doing well. Great. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks for coming out this morning. We all appreciate it. Thank you. For coming Thank you. Out. Thank you. I have not. I'm going to see yeah. it tonight with everybody else. So very excited about that. I'll yeah. say that. But I was curious. There's like you know, there's a scene where the main character basically gets uh, harassed by the police for like driving while black. And yeah. I'm interested with your with this recent film, just like how you'd like to see maybe police and police characters portrayed and and things like this and across the media. 
like different kinds of representations, or if that's something obviously it's something you think about. But yeah, I mean, look, the fact that um, these kinds of interactions are being portrayed and being portrayed in mainstream entertainment, I think is very, very important. There's a convergence that's going on between art and culture, and I don't think it's anything that's new, but I think there was a time where uh, people kind of wanted to separate that a little bit and say, look, people, um, they want to come home at the end of the day and just be entertained and let's not put any politics in it. Now, there's truth to that. I think all of us at the end of the day, sometimes we want to come in and shut off, but I think it's really something particularly for programming that largely, not exclusively, but is targeted towards young people and say, look, um, you can have all the powers in the world, metaphorically in some instances, or in reality, and we're all reminded that you know power alone isn't enough to protect individuals from discrimination, from harassment, from marginalization. So um, to use these kinds of shows or this kind of entertainment uh, as a conduit for delivering messages, I think is absolutely phenomenal. So I haven't had an opportunity to see it yet, but I know that it's going to be handled, um, I would think, with sensitivity, with intelligence, probably with a little bit of humor. And those ingredients, I think, do sometimes a better job of reminding people of what we all face than uh, just dry dissertations on issues that are that were challenged. I'm Katie from Den of Geek, by the way. <laughs> Hello, Katie. Far. How are you? I may not remember everybody's name at the end of this, but That's I appreciate okay. it. I'll try. I'll do my best. Um, James with the Den Nerdy Podcast. You're doing the other history of the DC Universe, which looks like a really exciting project me. for you. Now, are there certain characters or certain stories that you're really looking forward to diving into in this? You know, I we've I've been working on this for a while, and the the challenge is there are so many characters um, from all different backgrounds that have these moments where you think, oh, I'd love to expand on this, or how did they feel at this moment, or um, a story where they seem to be, in some ways, a side character, but it wouldn't be inter wouldn't it be interesting, as, as with history, uh, to take that lens and shift it a little bit. So the hard thing is going to be working within reasonable limitations. You know, you can't tell every story, but the desire is to tell as many stories or represent as many points of view as humanly possible. So I don't know yet. Obviously, some of the characters that I'm really, really interested in have been announced in the press release. Um, there may be more. There may be some that are um, the the central protagonist, but even that, that you know, who, who is with them? What are they facing? What do they miss? Um, you know, because all of us, you know, we, we, we want to believe that history is shared, but the reality is sometimes, you know, it is our history. Um, so the other history shouldn't just be about the prevailing culture, but within these cultures, what are we missing? Um, what are we forgetting to celebrate? Um, how can we learn to shift our lens? So the long answer is, is I, I don't know yet, but um, expect characters that you would not expect. I guess, in your opinion, what is the difference between DC and Marvel? Yeah, I think some of the the differences have been, you know, pointed out through the years. The difference between Metropolis or New York, you know, the difference between um, having Gotham or LA, you know, real places versus shared spaces. I think more and more we see though that the differences they're not nearly as as as, as stark as. You know, there, there have always been these teams, you know, your team Marvel, your team DC, but you see more fluidity. You see, you know, the artists, you see the storytellers shifting between spaces, and I think that's a good thing. I think the. 
I think we do a disservice sometimes when people set stories of worlds or universes against each other, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek. You know, it's just go out and enjoy. I, I was really stunned in some ways with this last Star Wars. You know, there's any movie that comes out and you can have problems or issues, but the point is to talk about it afterwards. The point is to, you know, if you as a fan have lost the ability to just go and enjoy and, and, and not even not have a problem with it, but, you know, for me, part of the reason that I tell stories is because you walk away going, oh, they should have done this, they should have done that, but do it in a way that it's, it's humanizing and engaging. So I think that it's less about the differences between these, these two empires and more about, look, if you don't support them and you don't enjoy them, yeah, today they're making a lot of money, but Westerns used to be big, Noir used to be big, um, they can go away real quick. So you're better off supporting than not supporting because some other genre you don't like is going to be the prevailing genre in the near future. And uh, we're all making bank off of comic books, so let's not... <laughs> let's do everything we can to make sure five years from now we're all can gather again. Dean Rogers with the... I'm sorry. <laughs> you go. Sorry. How easy or hard is it to modernize these characters that were created decades ago or years ago? Well, we'll find out. <laughs> I, I hope the answer is it's incredibly easy. Um, I think in some ways... For me, to be honest, it's not necessarily about modernizing the characters because we are dealing with history. I've been fortunate. I love history. Um, to do Red Tails, to do 12 Years a Slave, to do Always By My Side about Jimi Hendrix, it's about delving into the history and not necessarily modernizing it, but showing a modern audience that we're here for a reason. We got here because of things that, um, to... To, to anybody, you know, oh, that, that's ancient history, that's old, I don't need to hear about that. No, 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 no. If, if we, all of us, myself included, top of the list, if I don't understand how we got here, um, you know, we're likely to go through it again. You know, people talk about things that are happening right now, and I tell them, look, you know, if you didn't live through the Reagan election, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, uh, the, uh, the Bush-Gore election, you know, people thought that was the end of the American uh, democracy. We survived it. But it wasn't that long ago. People thought, oh my God, this is this constitutional crisis. We're all going to fall apart. We survived these things. So it's not, to me, about taking these characters and modernizing, but really looking at them in history and going, look, can you imagine what it was like in 1977 for Black Lightning to show up? Can you imagine what it was like in the 80s for Katana to show up when people hated the Japanese? Oh my God, the Japanese, they're going to take over, they're going to conquer us all. Um, that's what I want to get to people is that, can you imagine trying to represent and being a person, an individual with powers. You know, Vixen, uh, I think 85 she came out. Uh, a black woman, 1985. Um, I'm not sure Oprah was really on the scene at that point. Um, may have been, you know, but, but certainly not on that national level. So those are the things I want to talk about. It's not modernizing, but saying in that time and place, how hard was it to be on all the other things you got to do just to be yourself? That's what I hope to deal with. Dean Rogers with Rogers. It's amazing how you brought Red Tails, 12 Years of Slave, these historical figures and events to life on the big screen. And I want to know what motivates you to tell these stories and bring 
opportunity stories to the big screen. And my second question is, what do you want to say to the people who are listening that with the increase of African-American superheroes on the big screen and the small screen, that this is not just beginning, this is where we're going, this is where we're headed? Well, first part first, uh, what inspires me, I mean, without sounding maudlin, you know, my kids. I, I, I got kids, I know what it was like for me at this age to want to actually not want to read, but read comic books, mm -hmm. um, to see heroes who look like me. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I, I think a lot of times, you know, you see even an event like this, they do it, you can say, okay, they do it because it's the right thing to do. I don't think they understand the impact that a weekend like this has and what it means to bring folks together. This is huge. They didn't have something like this when I was a kid, so it's huge. So to do things for my kids and by extension for other people's kids, I mean, that's why I do it. The the second part of, of your question um, in terms of... Uh, in regards of the uptake of african Yeah, the fact that it's... I mean, look, African-American woman, um, people of uh, orientations different than my own. I mean, look, just... Wonder Woman, obviously she's not African American, but you know, conversation closed. You know, what was the biggest film? What was one of the biggest surprises? Get Out. Um, Black Panther, by all metrics, should open very strongly. Um, so it, this, it, it's obviously the beginning, but it, it's also the reality is, even if it weren't, even if folks were just doing it because their hearts were in the right place, the reality is, I mean, where's the audience? You know, the audience is Hispanic. The audience, you know, Asian Americans over-purchase per capita by ticket sales. I mean, you, you gotta, you, you have to go to these audiences because that's where you're gonna survive and thrive. So it's obviously just the beginning. Um, and I'm excited to see what characters show up, um, how they do, how people are stunned. You know, oh my God, I can't believe it. How do you, how, how could you, how could you? I think we were all surprised that one of them did so, so well. But you can't be surprised that there was an audience that was excited about seeing um, the first big solo female superhero film. You know what I mean? I think we're all surprised it did, you know, 800 million worldwide. But you can't be surprised that there was an audience for that film. Exactly. Some people were. I'm saying, you know. <laughs> one, one should not be surprised, but clearly a lot of people will. Anyone else? Uh, Montel Thompson, Blurcom. Um, with Black Lightning coming out, and I grew up on Black Lightning with other heroes, there are also other heroes that should be known. Can you think of maybe one or two that you feel like should be should come to the forefront? Well, I, I would certainly love to see all the milestone uh, heroes come out. But, you know, I mean, look, you, me, and everybody else. And, and again, at that time period, um, suddenly a universe that was populated by people of color and a range. You know, you could have Icon on, on, on one end who was this sort of, you know, kind of old school guy who had to kind of like relearn what it, what it, what it meant to to, to be mortal. Um, and then you could have, um, you know, Shadow Cabinet Blood Syndicate on the other side where it's like, okay, these guys are gang members. You know, and that was pretty bold at that time. Um, and, and unsettling in some ways, but at the same time, well, well, why would you not expect it? There's an event going on out there and they're heroes. And, and what would that would mean? You know, to have people who are working so outside of the law, but all of a sudden have these amazing powers and abilities. So that universe in and of itself, it was so in my opinion, well-populated. Um, I know it's coming back, it deserves to come back, but that, you know, in a single answer is who I'd like to see, and that's, you know, 35 heroes right there. Yeah. 
Yes, uh, Kevin with Screen Rant. Um, I follow your, your work. You do a lot of um, from your uh, work in television and in films. How is approaching uh, a comic book uh, project different for you in terms of process? Do you, do you approach it differently than you do anything else that you, that you would do? Or are there things that you have to consider that you maybe wouldn't in your other work? Well, certainly um, dialogue, you know, how much. You know, in TV or in films, you're going to have these great speeches where the actor stands and emotes. Um, you know, in comic books, you got to sort of, you know, you get that much. But for me, you know, I, I, I have not done a lot of series, and the series that I've done was creator-owned, and it was... I had 10 years to think about, you know, my second album, so to speak. You know, what's going to go in my next album in 10 years? So this is going to be, you know, the other history is going to be a real challenge. It'll be something different. Um, working with Georges Gianti again, having the same artist, having a partner like that um, helped a great deal. But um, the with graphic novels, you have the capacity to do anything on a, on a page or a panel, to do nothing on a page or a panel. Um, but at the same time to have an economy in your delivery, economy in the storytelling, get to the point, um, express it, and leave room for, for beautiful art. Um, that's really what I find that I have to think about when I do it, and hopefully I do a pretty good job at it, hopefully. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to kind of cap it right here. Thank Did everybody so get a question? Hopefully everybody okay. Thank you. Deeply appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. So one of the things I forgot to mention as I introduced John Ridley before you just listened to him was the actual name of the miniseries he's writing, which is called The Other History of the DC Universe. So definitely take a look, keep an eye out for that. I'm not sure if they've actually announced when it's coming out. It's this year sometime. Um, I don't have the date in front of me. So if they have announced it, I apologize. I don't know what it is. I mean, he's only he's he was only a screenwriter for an Oscar award winning movie. No. So how I mean, how good could it be? Right? Really? <laughs> All right. So who 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 did you interview next? So the next one is together two people together. We've got Dennis Cowan and Alice Randall. Um, Dennis is one of the founders of the Milestone um, universe for that within dc um and together dennis and alice are writing um what they're it's it's the milestone universe but it's been rebranded and it's calling they're calling it earth m um okay. and so we talk a lot about that with black lightning finally coming to the screen 70s characters a lot of us have grown up with do you feel that diversity is finally getting the big role that it needs to? Because when Milestone came out, it was it was cutting edge, and then it disappeared. But now with Black Lightning coming out, and with the, the role finally going, do you think it's going to just get stronger and stronger? We would hope, right? I mean, we're all... I'm very excited to see Black Lightning on the TV screen. I'm like as hyped as anyone could possibly be. I'm as hyped about that as I am about the Black Panther. Don't mind talking about that. Everything's black. We're keeping it real. All those things, right, are just like, are exciting. Um, it remains to be seen if it's going to be a renaissance of anything or not. The only renaissance you'll get for anything like that is if it makes money. If Black Lightning does well, and we hope it does because it's an awesome show, hopefully 
the demand to see more of that kind of stuff will happen. And that will get me excited. Um, Black, uh, Black Panther does well, which is shit. Hopefully, people will say, what else, what else is out there that we haven't seen yet? Um, where's Icon? Where's Rocket? Right? Where's Static Shop? That's what you're going to, that's demanding when you hear that. Um, so we want these shows to do well, but we, we, there is no renaissance yet. It's two shows, you know. Meanwhile, how many white superhero shows do you have? I guess that's the real renaissance, right? You really want to talk about it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Two is not a renaissance. Two things are two projects, you know, but let's see what happens. After that, it might be a renaissance. So, which, which characters would you like to see, you know, if this, if this renaissance does happen, um, brought to the screen, which comic book characters or which kinds of... Do you have any that you would like to see? Well, I've... Rocket and Icon, I've been very interested in, so... But, actually, I've got to stay with this classic and central, you know, Static Shock, and who is a global superhero. Um, we've been hearing about, you know, he has immense amount of fans in Brazil, for example, and so I feel that actually the character that would probably bring more people to the big tent would be, would be static, static shock. shock. And so that is what... And then I like, with that opening, the new female characters that that creates space for within that world and some of what um, I've been brought on to help with. But I think static shock. You've got to stay... And I think having seen some of what Dennis has done, what Reggie is working on with him, with Rocket Icon, I'm a little bit more hopeful that we are entering into a period of renaissance. And I think that, you know, that this is connected. The Harlem Renaissance was a great time for children's literature and W.B. Du Bois and what he was doing with the Brownies book. I think here that comic books that work for children and adults, that we might be really entering into a Renaissance period. And it's necessary because of the larger political climate. <laughs> what do you want to say to the kids who are listening that seeing and reading Earth M and the comics that this is something I can do, I want to do this, but I need that motivation, I need that great piece of advice to get me to make it happen. What do you want to say? What would you say? Work works. <laughs> that work works. That you've got to put in, you've got to read it. But then you've got to study, you know, you've got to discipline yourself and work. You've got to keep your skills, you've got to be, develop your skills, and you've got to work at it. If you want to be a player, you've got to find a mentor. Work works. You don't just think your way into it, dream your way into it. Well, yeah, and, and what I would tell kids is that there, there's, nothing, there's nothing they can't achieve. You know, for real, for real. I mean, I'm doing comic books, and I grew up... I was eight years old. I was nine years old. I was a black nerd before there were nerds. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Before, the, before that, there was no term for nerds. You were just like I said before, we were just a black kid who got the comic books and ran home. Because <laughs> you were going to get beat up. But the dudes who do not read comic books, they were playing basketball and hanging out. They were not reading any comic books, so you ran. So you got your track skills down. Um, <laughs> um, 
But I, I would tell them that there's there's no dream that's impossible, especially on MLK weekend, please. Yeah. And dreams do come you true. Know? And they really do come true. We're sitting here as living testament to that. So. I also think figuring out what you think is missing, that the places where you don't see mm-hmm. yourself are the story that you want mm-hmm. to read, that's a story you can write or draw. Mm-hmm. That's the necessary story. Telling the truth that hasn't been told. Right. Or... So that's good. Exactly. What made Earth M such an appealing project for you all to work on? Because it was a revival of um, the Dakota Universe. Uh, um, um, it, was a, it was a revival of our Dakota Universe properties. Um, Earth M is what we're calling it now, but it's basically static. Icon a rocket, hardware plus syndicate. It's you know it's it's the Cody universe. New branding, new creators, um, and new stories. Some of the same characters and new characters. But it's also, that's what makes it exciting. Sorry. It's a place that multicultural aesthetics matter. That the, this is what they established originally with Milestone. And this is what is being revived and reborn right now. And I think that it's a necessary moment. With, with so many mediums to tell stories in, why, why, why comic books? Why, why did you choose Let's Make Comic Books? You mean originally when I first got into comics or now? Just from the whole from the beginning. Why did you beginning love it? of time and, then, and, and more. <laughs> Well, I, you know, like, here it is. When you want to do something, like you're a kid and you want to do something, or like you're a musician or you're an artist or whatever, an actor, you can't see anything else. You can't. It's not like I wanted to draw comic books, but I wanted to direct movies and I wanted to write music. I wanted to do comic books. That was, I had tunnel vision. So it wasn't as, as opposed to, it was the only thing. And by doing that, it was the only thing I could do and wanted to do. And by doing that, it kind of opened up avenues into these other things, you know, movies and television, directing animation or producing and, and working at BET or whatever. But it all came through that original love of just wanting to draw comic books and create comic book stories. So it was never a choice for me. It was always, this is what I do and everything comes from that. Or if you bring a girl to the dance, you leave with her. Right? You don't leave her there and go, go with someone else. So I'm a comic book artist. And I like some people who say that they're genius. This man has people sitting beside him who say he's a genius. He has a real genius for this. And he no, he does. And uh, it's funny, and no, my first I have been primarily I'm a New York Times bestselling novelist. I'm a novelist award-winning songwriter. I came to comic books. I read comic books as a child. I chose it because I think it's actually still one of the most powerful art forms in, not America, on the globe. Even when I remember, I was born in 1959, one of the reasons that comic books were powerful in Detroit in 1959, there are a lot of people, illiterate people, working on assembly lines who are really smart. And comic books and complicated narratives and comic books were accessible to them as profound literature. And so it wasn't just children, it was smart adults were also in Detroit in the 50s reading comic books as primary texts. They read comic books and the Bible. Those were the, literally the two texts. So for me, I am circling back and paying homage and I'm 
visiting in this world that he has mastered and that with that Reggie has done. But I think it's it's important to say that because comic books, I think, play an important role right now, and even on a positive road, new immigrants, that people who English is not their first language, comic books create an accessible, universal language that allow all kinds of people with all different levels of English skills in to complex shared narrative. What do you hope that this representation with diversity uh, will instill in the in, in the in the younger generation, the, the post millennial generation? <laughs> That's a scary question. <laughs> I said one word answer, empathy. Yeah, really. Empathy. empathy. Responsibility. Um, empathy is a good word. Considering right? some of that's really missing at the highest levels of our society right now. <laughs> Teach them, you know, their, their uh, connected humanity. You know, that's what we really want people to get out of reading, you know, the earth and there's a lot to get out of that. Um, that, go, that goes beyond entertainment. But that's what we really help. That's what we really help, especially in today's climate. You know, pe people have said that Western, you know, white children's literature is about entertainment and education, traditionally. Black children's literature has always been about uplift and overturn. I think with this world, we, they, and we are doing some of both. We educate, we entertain, but we uplift and overturn. So nice to meet you all. So that's another fantastic roundtable at the event, Jamie. That was great. You, Thank you. You do such a good job when you're. Uh, on you those. know what? These. There were so many people at this event that I didn't really get an, an, a word in edgewise on a lot of these. You know, I, the Gotham by Gaslight. There were fewer press people right. there. It was the, it was a Friday night, and I, I got to talk a lot there. But the other ones, there were so many people, so that's why you don't hear my voice very much in these interviews. But I still got the audio, uh, and I mm -hmm. still wanted to bring it to you guys. And sometimes it's like sometimes with these, they're hit or miss too because. You don't know that everyone asking questions is going to be asking like relevant or right. you know you know what I mean or yeah. good, I don't want to say good questions because you don't want to you know you don't want to put anyone down but sometimes you don't know what you're going to get mm -hmm. <laughs> on the behalf of the people asking questions so yeah it's nice when they actually are good <laughs> and the table that I sat down with and that I kind of hung around all day with um, they were it was a lot of really good people and it was it was a fun, a fun table as you can probably hear with, from a lot of these interviews um, and uh, everybody asked. Pretty, pretty good questions. Awesome. So that was, that's it for this episode. We're going to be coming back tomorrow with the next uh, next panel. And Jamie, what's the panel that we're going to play tomorrow? Tomorrow. I love I love your your Canadian accent there. So tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, <laughs> we're going to be talking. The panel is just called Wonder Women. Um, all right, it, perfect. It's all about female creators and characters. Okay, so you have that to look forward to everybody <laughs> so you better come back hit subscribe button and you better come back and also get in touch with us at the gbb podcast on facebook and twitter also on our website thegbbpodcast.com and you can call us with our phone number 301-825-5653 
<laughs> and leave us a message right there at that phone number and we'll play it i promise you we'll play it someone please call us <laughs> please <laughs> all right guys i'm justin at 140 justin c and i'm jamie at the Roarbots. and we'll see you tomorrow on the next panel see you tomorrow <laughs>